0: Would you look please in the book of Acts, Acts the 20th chapter. We've been on a series on Sunday morning for some time that we're calling, anybody know what it is? Faithful Faithful to finish. finish. We've been seeing that uh, Paul in Acts 20, beginning here what about verse 22 or so, he said, "I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem." Now, bound in the spirit, he he had an inner compelling a sense he had to go. He had to be there. And uh, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Even if you're an apostle, a prophet, even if you have strong manifestation of the revelation gifts in your life, that doesn't mean you know everything, even remotely. That's why it's called a word of knowledge, not a page, not a paragraph, not even a sentence. A word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. And he said uh, he knew he was supposed to go there, but other than that, he didn't know what was going to happen when he got there. And I think nobody, no one would dispute he's an apostle and a prophet. Who has revelations? Verse 23: Except the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide me or are waiting on me there. Now, other of the church where he had been and more than one place had told him, Well, don't go. Don't go then. But you know, just because something's tough doesn't mean you shouldn't go. Just because there's some challenge doesn't mean it wasn't the will of God. And so he, uh, he said, I, I know that every, every city I go through, there's a witness, or, and some of them were prophecies, that uh, rough times were waiting on him in Jerusalem, bonds and afflictions. Verse 24, but none of these things move me. Now this is how faith talks. Isn't it? This is faith. He said, yeah, I understand that. And he's already been through a bunch of stuff, preaching the gospel. He says, but it's not dissuading me. It's not deterring me. It's not stopping me. None of these things move me. This has been a phrase I've used for years. Because there will be times when the enemy tries to pile up things on you, to overwhelm you. This happened, and that wasn't good, but then this happened too. And you're like, really? And then this happened and this happened too, and you're feeling like, wow. That's when you need to open your mouth and say, none of these things Move me. You're not saying they're not happening. You're not saying they're not real. You're not saying you don't have to deal with them. But just because it's happening out here. Doesn't mean it's got to change you. In here. You can't control everything happening outside. But you can control. What gets in you. You are in control of that. Whether you think so or not. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might what finish my course with joy and the ministry. Ministry can also be translated service, my ministry or my service, which I have received of the Lord Jesus, and his was. He's a preacher of the gospel, an apostle and a prophet. But all of us have a service. Every believer. Has a service if they will. And all of us have a course. Do you have a course? Is there a God-ordained course for your life? Yes. Yes. Do you have to find it and follow it? No. No, you don't. Most people don't. Are y'all with me? Yes. Many people are completely out of the will of God. They are not on his path. They are not following his course. Because he won't make you. Should you find and follow his course for your life? Would it be the best thing that ever happened to you in his life? But do you have to? No. Will he make you? Can you live and die and never find it? Yeah, millions do. Millions live and die and never find God's course for their life. Not because God wasn't showing them. He showed them some things, but they didn't want to do it. And if you won't do the first thing he showed you, you'll never find out about the second thing. Because it takes faith to follow the course. He'll open the door. He'll tell you to go through there. And if you stand and go, what's in there? (laughs) You'll hear crickets. (laughs) Because you know all you need to know if you're going to walk by faith. And if you listen to him and obey him and take the step, it'll lead to something else. That'll lead to something else. That'll lead to something else. That'll lead to something else. Next thing you know, you're on course. Hallelujah. You're in the path. And you keep doing that. Next thing you know, you'll look up and it'll be time for you to leave here. And your life will be through and you will have finished your course. Can somebody say praise God? God. It doesn't just happen to you though automatically. And it's certainly not going to happen to you. Contrary to your will. Amen. Go with me to 1st Timothy. Or excuse me 2nd Timothy. 2nd Timothy the 4th chapter please. 2nd Timothy 4. He said none of these things move me. I don't count my life dear to myself. But that I might finish my course with joy. That was his priority. More than protecting his life, was finishing his course. And his priorities were right. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5, this is the, well, it says, Watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. He's writing to Timothy. Make full proof of your ministry. The complete Jewish Bible says, do everything your service to God requires. Verse 6, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. The scripture calls deaths departures. So births would be arrivals, just like at the airport. If you could stand off and and see in the spirit from outside of earth, you would see a stream of people arriving. These are births and a stream of people leaving. So a departure is not ceasing to exist. Death is not the end, No. no matter what anybody says. It's not the end. It's not just Blackness, nothingness, ceasing to exist. Oh, no. Death is a departure. Amen. You leave your body, and without your body, you can't stay on earth. This is your earth suit. In space, you need a space suit, right? You can't hang out in space with no space suit. You can't say, I'm just going in my shorts and t-shirts. You will die. (laughs) And on earth, you can't just hang around as a spirit. Contrary to what some people, spiritists, and other people say, people talk about things, whether it's haunted, you know, so and so spirit's haunting this. No. Uh, When you die, you go up or you go down, you don't hang around. yeah but there's been real spiritual activity I know demon spirits some of them are familiar spirits they knew these individuals so they impersonate them are y'all listening but no when you die you don't hang around on the earth and bother people (laughs) People, I've heard people say you better treat me right or when I die I'm going to come back and haunt you no you're not no you're not and that's why you should not go out to the cemetery and try to talk to people who are not there they're not there and especially if you believe them to be believers you ought to rejoice because in just about that long you're going to see them again you're going to leave here you're going to see them again and you'll never be separated forever after that How would we get into all that? He said I'm ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Man, I don't know of anything better you could say. When you realize I'm about to breathe my last. I'm about to leave here. Because so many people are just filled with regrets. I thought I'd have more time. I wanted to do this. I should have done that. I waited too long. all these other things. But to be able to say, it's time. My time of departures, so it wasn't mean. I'm about to die. I'm about to leave my I'm not going to die. my body's going to die. I'm about to leave my body. I'm about to get out of here. And you know, Paul talked about this. He said, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Far better than being here. For the believer, death is nothing to be afraid of, nothing to dread. For the unbeliever, it is horror unspeakable. Because there is a hell, according to the scriptures. A place not made for human beings. A place made for the devil and his fallen angels and beings. But if you don't want God, there's only one other place for you to go. That's right. And to hear some people talk, everybody that dies goes to heaven somehow. No. It is not true. I said it's not true. No. And so if, if, if you're alive and you're breathing and God's on the throne and, and you've never received Jesus... Knowing what I know now, I wouldn't wait till the service was over. <laughs> I would receive Jesus right now. So, you ready? Yes. We don't know who's watching. We don't know what's going on. Everybody say it out loud Father God, Father God I, believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in your son Jesus, I in your son, Jesus. That, you sent him. that you sent him. He died on the cross. He died he paid, the full price he paid the full
1: price.
0: For all my sins. For all my sins. I believe. I believe you, have you have raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. He is alive right King, now. Of King of kings. Lord of lords. Lord of lords. Jesus. Jesus. I, receive I receive you. As Lord of my life. Of my life. Thank, you Thank you. For saving me. For saving Now you could say that and not mean it and it wouldn't happen. That's right. But if you believe that and you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth the Bible says you'll be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how it happens. Because Jesus did all the hard part. All we got to do is receive. It's a free gift. Oh I'm so happy I'm not going to hell. <laughs> How about you? How about hell? I ain't going. How about you? Come on, help me out. I ain't going. The only way you're not going is if Jesus is your Lord. Somebody say, what about the other religions? There are, There is no other God. There is no other Savior. I'm sorry. But if there are other gods and other ways, then the Bible is not true. Can't be both ways. Amen. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by him. Amen. Now either he's wrong about that or he's right about that. It's terribly sad that billions believe lies and these lies will not save them. It's awful. Awful. Part of our job is to tell people about it. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Not just us preachers. Right. Yeah. And you don't have to be mean and you don't have to be preachy and you don't have to try to shove something down somebody's throat. But if somebody tries to tell you about another God, you just smile and go, there's only one. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. No, but a sa- no, there's only one. Only one Savior. Jesus. He's the only one. Well, I hope I've done enough good works to get in. Well, it sounds like you're not getting in then. Because <laughs> it ain't by works. It has to be just by receiving the free gift. Don't be embarrassed to speak up is what I'm saying. Don't be ashamed. Don't be intimidated. And if some folks don't want to hear it, well, fine, you hush. But you don't act like you don't know. Because you do know. Hallelujah. Go, if you would, to Hebrews 12 now. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, this this word race is the same idea as course. And verse 2, looking unto Jesus. This is how we run our race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus has already run this race. He did it as a human being. He didn't do it as God. Now, he didn't stop being God. So, how did he do that? Because he's God. But the scripture said he emptied himself and became like other men. If he hadn't done that, how could he be a real example for us? Because how could he then turn around and say, you know, do what I did. And we could say, hey, you're God. How can we do? But if he did it as a man with no unfair help or advantage and he would give us the same spirit. That he had. To do it. Then we can see the glorious possibility. Looking to Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy. That was set before him. Endured. The cross. Did Jesus finish his course on earth. Yes, yes he did. Did he do it right. Yes. Did he do it fully. Yes. Completely. Let's look, go to the book of John, if you would, in the 19th chapter. Well, yeah, you go to John 19, and I'm going to read a couple working up to that. You're going to John 19. On the screen, put John 4.34. John 4.34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, that's what satisfies me. I'm paraphrasing now. Even more than natural food. Because they had gone to get him something to eat. And when they came back, he said, I've have food to eat you don't know about. And they're like, who brought him lunch while we were gone? And he said, no. My food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. Nothing satisfies like accomplishing the will of God. Amen. Nothing satisfies and fulfills like that. In John seventeen, near the end of Jesus' ministry and earthly life, John seventeen four, he said, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. He knew he was at the end of this ministry just about to go to the cross. Now the cross was the finish on earth. After that, he went to the heart of the earth. But the earthly part, he actually stated it was finished. Now you remember what what our text said, Paul said, none of these things move me. I don't even count my life dear to myself. Well, see, isn't that what Jesus did? If he had counted his life dear to himself, he would have avoided going to the cross at all costs, trying to save his life. But if he would have saved his life, we'd be lost. So he was willing to sacrifice his life to save us. And you and I are Christians. And we are to live by the same law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens. Willing to sacrifice to help another. That's the will of God. That's the fulfilling, satisfying thing. Now John 19, are you there? Jesus had been nailed to the cross. Crucified. And verse... uh, 28, Jesus knowing, everybody say knowing. Knowing. See, not wondering, not guessing, knowing that all things were now accomplished. And that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, I thirst. There was set a vessel full of vinegar. They filled a sponge with vinegar, put it upon hyssop, which was like a sponge, a natural sponge of types, put it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, What did he say? It is finished. It is finished. Everybody said out loud. It It is is finished. Say it again. It It is finished. finished. Say it another time. It It is finished. finished. Wasn't that what Paul was saying? When he realized I'm about to leave here. And what did he say? I've fought a good fight. Fought is past tense. I've finished my course. That's past tense. I've kept the faith. That's past tense. What does that mean? We're not talking about a bunch coming up in the future. No, we've done it. We're at the end here. Is that right? We fought? We finished, we kept. He said, After this is a crown of righteousness laid up for me, not just for me, but for all them that love his appearing. Jesus said it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost or spirit is what that word is. In other words, his spirit left. His body. Jesus' spirit left his body. And what happened next was a mystery that nobody knew. When I say nobody, I mean nobody. The angels didn't know it. Certainly the devil and the demons didn't know it. Even the prophets that prophesied about it, they prophesied it. They saw some things, but they didn't understand what they saw. What was it? When Jesus' spirit left his body, he went to the heart of the earth. And the devil and his crowd thought they had won. They thought they had won. (laughs) They could not believe. They had actually pulled it off. They killed the son of God. You talk about celebration in hell. Oh. Oh, Oh. Can you imagine the demon said. Guess who we got today. (laughs) And the scripture says. In first Corinthians. If they had known. They would not. I would say they would never (laughs) have crucified the Lord of glory because it was their complete undoing. They played right into the hands of the Father God. He played them like a banjo. (laughs) What do you mean? He had committed no sin. He deserved no judgment, no punishment. And so what they're doing is unjust, illegal, wrong. And he was able to pay for us. He paid for us. He did it for us. You hear people sometimes, oh, no, I don't believe Jesus went to the heart of the earth. Well, then you're going. If he didn't go, you're going. So you want to change that? No. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you're not going is because he went that's right. in your place. Right. And in three days and nights. Now that's that's earth time. We don't know exactly how that worked out in the spirit. But at the end of that time, God the Father spoke from heaven. Hallelujah. And I believe it shook hell to the bottom. Hallelujah. And he said this. Hallelujah. You're my beloved son. This day I have begotten him. And I'm telling you nobody could hold him. Nothing could hold him. He came up out of there. That place was shaken to the bottom, to the core. And your sins are forever paid for. Paid for. There is no guilt, no shame to those who believe. None. It's been paid for. The outward sign of that was the cross. But the cross was only the natural thing you could see. There was much more going on and as terrible as the cross was it was not the worst part by far. It was bad that they laid him down on the timbers and they drove those jagged spikes through his, his hands and his, and his feet. That was bad. But the worst part was that all the sin of mankind Past, present, and future was laid on his sinless, spotless being. And that's when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the father had to turn his face away and let judgment fall on him. He went to the cross. Everybody say the cross, the cross. He went to the cross for us. And that was how he finished his course look with me in matthew somebody say thank you lord thank you lord for saving me Mm-mm-mm. matthew 16 21 now what we're talking about here is still you and i finishing our course How are we going to do it? We're going to do it the same way our master did it. We're going to do it by following him. And following his example of how he finished his course. He did it perfectly. He did it completely. And we just got through reading in Hebrews 12. That we are to lay aside every weight. And every sin that would hinder us. And hold us back. And run our race and our course. With perseverance and patience. Looking. Under Jesus. Who's the author. And the finisher. Of our faith. What does that mean? That's how he ran his race. It's a faith race. It's a faith course. He's the author and finisher. Of running your race. Running your course. He's the ultimate example to follow. And the very next phrase says, he endured the cross. Does that have any application to us? Well, in Matthew 16, Jesus began to talk about going to the cross. Verse 21 says, from that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, chief priests, and scribes and be killed. And be raised again the third day. It should have been no surprise. What happened. He told them repeatedly. In detail. What was going to happen. And how it was going to happen. Doesn't this sound familiar to our text though. Paul said. I'm going to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Not knowing the things that are waiting on me there. Except you know. Bondage and afflictions. Just like the master. And uh Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Uh. He said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. Mm -mm. The margin there says, uh, pity yourself. And we realize what Jesus said later. This is the enemy that brought that thought to Peter. And Peter didn't examine it and just spit it out. How many understand you shouldn't say everything you think?
1: <laughs>
0: Some thoughts are from the devil. You don't want to be a mouthpiece for the enemy. No. Which means you have to check. Not just if it crosses your mind, start talking. It comes to your mind you should think, hold on now, where'd that come from? And how's that line up with the word? And if you're not used to doing this, sometimes a conversation will be over before you go, what I'm going to say. But that's all right. You didn't mess up by saying the wrong thing. And if you keep training yourself, you'll get quicker. Right? The proverb says, in the multitude of words, there wants not sin. There's no lack of sin when you're always talking. I'm going to say that again real slow. <laughs> There's no lack of sin when you're always talking. Why? Because it's obvious you're not examining those thoughts before you spit them out. <laughs> it was quiet in here.
1: <laughs>
0: Everybody pray a prayer. Say, say Lord, Lord. Set, a watch set a watch at the door of my mouth, at the door of my mouth. and alert me before I, Before I begin to say wrong things,
1: check me, check help me. me.
0: Help me. I, yield I yield myself to your Holy Spirit. To your Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 <laughs> he said, uh, verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You don't savor the things that are of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus to his disciples. Are you listening? Are you listening? If any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Deny himself. That's the same thing as saying, I don't count my life dear to myself. Let him deny himself and do what? Take up his cross not the Lord's cross only he could bear that one and he's done it only he could pay for the sins of the world and he's done it but we all do have a cross as well if any man will come after me how many want to be not only a believer but a disciple A follower of the Christ. Well, in order to do that, you got to what? Deny yourself. You know what the biggest threat to God's plan for your life is? Your plan. I'm serious. My plan. That's the biggest threat to the plan of God. Is substituting your plan for his plan. Just coming up with something and then trying to do it and asking him to bless it instead of going to him to start with, asking him what the plan is. If any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. What else? Take up his cross and what? Follow me. Everybody said out loud deny yourself, take up your cross. Follow him. Luke 9 said it this way. If any man will come after me. Let him deny himself. And take up his cross daily. Daily. And follow me. So what is the cross? We know the vast majority of us. Are not going to wind up on an actual wooden cross. Because of our testimony for Jesus. And he's talking about all of us. So what's our cross? The cross. Is submission. And the cross. Is sacrifice. Amen. And that's something that's not a popular message. No. In today's church. Many people only want to hear. About how. God will help me live the life I want to live. And there's much emphasis on God helping me to live my best life. And I don't know where you'd even find that scripture. Uh Uh-oh, did I say something wrong? (laughs) True Christianity, genuine following Christ, will involve sacrifice for all of us. Now that's not something you heave and cry and get depressed over. Cuz if it is, your sacrifice is not a worthy one. Nobody made Jesus go to the cross. He said nobody takes my life from me, I lay it down. And and no nobody has any greater love than this that you lay down your life for your friends. The cross involved Suffering. And the scripture says, They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall, Amen. not might, not could, shall suffer persecution. Not suffer being broken sick. That's right. Suffer persecution. And it's not suffering for suffering's sake, imagining that suffering is purifying me somehow. No. That's man's. Traditional religion, it is so wrong. The only thing that will purify you and I is the blood of the Lamb. And it's not just suffering in some situation to develop my piety, my spirituality, this thing that I do in private or in isolation. No. If your suffering is not benefiting someone else, you're being tricked. By the enemy. You and I. Well let's read a verse. Why did Jesus. Go to the cross. Go to John 14 31. Why did he do it. Somebody says, Well we, we needed it. That's true but that wasn't the only motivation. Right before Jesus went to the cross. He told his disciples. And it's recorded for all of us. He said that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment even so I do. Arise. Let's go from here. This was right before the cross. Why is he doing it? His love for the Father. Now we know that Right after this in the garden, he was tempted, he was pushed, blood came out of his pores, resisting what? Temptation to not do it. And he said, Father, all things are possible with you. And if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What cup? The cup of the cross, the cup of of suffering. And, And like we said, the worst part was not what you could see. It was what happened in spirit. I don't know that we can imagine being spotless, sinless, holy purity, and then allowing all the ugly, nasty sin, and rebellion, and perversion, and defilement to be laid on you. What was his motivation? love. He did it out of love for the Father first and foremost because he asked him to. And then also out of love for us because we're lost without it. Can you say thank you Lord for loving us? What would be strong enough to motivate you? To motivate me? To be willing to sacrifice something that was important to us. Something that we liked, to even endure some things that were uncomfortable and, and painful. Love. Because God asked us to do it. Because he asked us to give it. Because our brothers and sisters needed it. Right? That is the highest and the most noble of spirit and character Because it is Christ-like. Oh, somebody say praise God. It's being like the Christ. And it is required to finish your course. It's the only way you'll go the whole way. Phyllis and I have been in the ministry now for over 40 years. And we've been through several transitions in that time. And every one required sacrifice. Every one. And every one involved some discomfort. I'm thinking of one time (laughs) I came in and fell across the bed. Nobody was around. And I put in for a transfer. (laughs) I said, Lord, I want out of this. and it came back denied (laughs) so now I'm going to find out am I running my own life or is Jesus really my Lord go to 1st Peter the 5th chapter please 1st Peter 5 to finish your entire course Requires a full commitment. A full commitment. If you can be dissuaded, the enemy will see to it that enough stuff comes your way that you will be. You know what I mean by that? That you. Have you? I mean, some of you, and and we have people that are watching us online, they'll be here tomorrow and the next day. Just take coming to a meeting. Have you ever decided, you know, you you thought you should come to a meeting and then had uh, 50 reasons why you can't come? (laughs) And if you allow it, you won't come. And it depends on how much it takes to knock you out. And what that is revealing is your commitment level. Will you endure discomfort? Will you sacrifice? if it takes it to do what he directed you to do and the big motivation is love I won't go into all the detail but some years ago there were some ministers that found fault with me and they had said some unkind things and and uh, I was praying about it and the Lord directed me uh, to uh, write them a letter and apologize I didn't like that I thought what <laughs> Because I really felt like what I had said and done, the Lord directed me to say and do it. I thought, Lord, what would I, what am I apologizing for? Did I miss it? I thought you, I didn't like it. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And what are you laughing about? You ever felt that way? I thought, because they just, they acted, you know, well, I won't say it, but they, and so then the Lord, uh, he said, do you suppose you could have said it and done it with more kindness more grace, more in a, in a wiser, better way? I thought, yeah, I guess probably <laughs> I could have. Then he said this. He said, will you do it for me? Whoa. It's over. Whoa. Anybody know what I mean by that? Will, will you do it for me? No more argument. Why? He hung on the cross for me in front of the whole world. That love must be real to us, child of God. And that our love for him is such that there is no price we won't pay. Personally, there is no sacrifice we won't make. And if you've got that kind of commitment, you'll make it all the way to the end. Hallelujah. You'll make it through every temptation, through every failure, through every mistake, through every transition and season. If you make some bobbles and mistakes, even if you fall flat on your face, he'll pick you up. He'll inspire you. He'll get you going again. But if you ever get to the place where you go, no, no, that's just too much. You know, that just infringes too much on my life. And I don't have time for that. And I just no, I'm not reworking my world for that well okay that's how you miss the plan of God that's how you get off course you take an off ramp and exit and you're doing your own thing and you can wake up 30 years later and realize you're you're miserable you're you're unhappy why because you're not doing the will of God to make it all the way to the end takes a full measure of commitment. What would motivate you. To be willing to do it. You love God. You love him more. Than anybody else. You love him more. Than your own self. That's what Paul said. I don't count my own life dear to myself. He's mission minded. Whatever it takes. We're going to finish this thing. Hallelujah. And nobody's bigger than God. Amen. If God's for me. Who can stop me? Who can be against me? But I got to have. You've got to have. This full measure. Of commitment. That there is no price too high. There is no sacrifice. We won't make. No matter how uncomfortable it may be. Did you find First Peter 5? 1 Peter 5, verse uh, 10. The God of all grace, God's grace, among other things, is his help. His help to you. And it's all a gift. The God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you've suffered a while, now, you know, there are several scripture prayers in the epistles. There are two main ones in Ephesians and one in Colossians and prayers that the Spirit of God inspired to pray over believers. And it's, you're wise if you pray them over yourself. This is also one of them. Especially years ago, I picked them out and started praying them over myself. You know, the one from Ephesians, that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. And then eventually I'd get over to this one and I'd say, and the God of grace... Who's called me to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that I've. uh. (laughs) Do I really want to pray that? (laughs) Suffered a while. Make you perfect. That is mature and fully developed. Establish. Strengthen. Settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Brother Hagin. Kenneth Hagin Sr. has a book entitled, Must Christians Suffer? If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. And one thing he gets into is he said he pastored a church that spectacularly the Lord told him he would be the next pastor at that church. So he, he had no questions. He was supposed to be it and supposed to do it. But he said the place was full of strife. They were divided. He said one part sat on one side and glared at the other part on the other side. Yeah. And they had had all kind of family, interfamily problems and all kind of junk. And he said he would pray and prepare and pray and prepare and get up to minister. And he said it felt like everything he'd say would just come back and slap him in the face. Like bouncing a rubber ball off the back wall. Just boom. He's like, And he said Sunday after Sunday. When he and Miss Aretha would lay down to go to bed at night, he said he'd look at her and say, If I didn't know that God told me to be here, Monday morning I'd go rent a U-Haul truck. I would load our stuff in the park. I wouldn't tell anybody, boo, nothing. I'd be gone. And they'd say, What happened to Brother Hagin? But they didn't go. They stayed. And they persevered. What's he talking about? He said, would you like to know why I'm settled today? He's talking about this verse. He said, it's because I've suffered. Now, our, our group don't even like that word. But he's not talking about suffering from the curse of the law. He's not talking about suffering, being sick and diseased. He's not talking about suffering, being broke. What's he talking about suffering? Suffering, not getting your own way. Oh, no. Suffering, having to submit, ooh, I said it, submit (laughs) (laughs) to the will of God. Because so many people, if it gets hot in the kitchen, they get out of the kitchen. Is that right? I mean, hey, they go, I don't have to put up with this, and you don't. And they leave and get off course. God had them on course. But having to stay there and endure. Why did he stay there? They're not enjoying it. It's not comfortable. It ain't fun. Why did they stay there? Help me out church. Why? Yeah, but why did he do what God told him to do? Love for God. Come on, can you see this? Love for God that they would do, no matter how tough it was, how rough it was, the Lord told them to go there. He had not told them they could leave. Right. Right. Yeah. And eventually, he said, for, at one point he realized, they're not listening to what I'm saying. He just started preaching on heaven and loving each other. Amen. And you stayed on that for months. And eventually, they got to thinking about going to heaven and eventually loving each other. And God was able to, to bring a move of God in the church and revival. And, and re- well see that's what God wanted. I know uh, a couple of years ago Mike and I were flying out to a place I was going to minister and I don't think he'd ever heard me say this before but when we got off the plane I said I don't know why we're here. I think it shocked him. He's like really? That don't sound good does it? And What I meant was I, all I had was the Lord directed me to go. Didn't know them, didn't know anything about them, didn't know what was going to come next. And they don't have to. But anyway, we went and I spoke and it was good service. Went great, good results, things happened, wonderful. Before I left, the pastor said, Brother Keith, I I think probably I should tell you this. He said, uh, myself and another pastor here in town, a couple of years ago, we had a falling out. And it was bad. I mean really bad and he said uh, we didn't speak to each other for a long time and I was praying one day and the Lord dealt with me to go and uh, ask him if I could talk to him and apologize to him and ask him to uh, forgive me and he said I didn't really want to but what are we back to? Could that be a sacrifice for you? Yes. Could it even be some suffering for you? a bit? Why would you do it then? Why would you do it? Love for God. Is that right? That you'll do whatever he tells you to do. Don't even have to understand it. He said, so I did. I contacted the man. And he said, yeah, we can talk. And he said, "I, I started off and I said, I am so sorry. I said things I shouldn't have said. And he said, the guy interrupted me and said, I did. I'm the one that did. I said to John, and in a, just a few moments, they're crying. They got on the floor and prayed. And, and it, it was over. This is big to God. This is important to him. And so as he was leaving, he's walking across the parking lot. And he said, the, uh, the Lord said, thank you for doing that. And, and he said, the Lord said, what can I do for you? And this is what he said. He said, I want Brother Keith to come to my church. 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 <laughs> <and speak." laughs> For the year was over, I was in his church speaking. I said, you went over my head.
1: <laughs> you went over my head right
0: to the top. <laughs> is that amazing or what? Jesus finished his course all the way and the cross was how he finished it. Ultimate sacrifice. Ultimate submission. And suffering. But he did it because he loved the Father more than he loved his own life. Isn't that the same thing Paul's talking about? The only way you and I will make it all the way is with a full measure of commitment. Submission. Obedience. Willing to even endure hardness like a good soldier. Willing to sacrifice. Even to suffer some things. Not the curse of the law. But not getting in your way. Having to endure some things that are Uncomfortable. On and on. But would it be worth it? Would it be worth it? Yes. it because yes. our biggest motivation, not just in this life, in our existence, is to please our God. Yes. Is that right? Yes. For His pleasure, yes. we are created. I exist. You exist to please Him. That's the purpose for my existence. And that time when He said, would you do it for me man it moved my heart I said yes sir yes sir and I did I sat down I said help me show me how to write this letter and I wrote the letter I sent it to them man they received it they contacted us they said we're so happy will you come hold a meeting for us I thought what What?" and I did and we had a great meeting isn't that better than strife yeah. for years and all kind of junk? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.